Hi, I'm Gerds Hundle, acclaimed health journalist, turned motivational speaker and transformational coach. This show is for anyone who wants to lead a happier, healthier and inspired life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can become a soul warrior. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Get Inspired with Gertz podcast. I'm your host and today I have two amazing guests who are showing how ethnic women can own their own unique gifts. The Girl Twins believe that there's more to life than paying their bills. They believe it's equally as important to feed their soul as it is to feed their stomach. And they love channeling their creativity through writing, singing and photography. It's an absolute pleasure having you on the show and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us back. Wow. <laughs> that wasn't planned. We did not plan that. No. <laughs> In unison. Oh, bless you guys. I, you know, I loved having that conversation last time, the way we were talking about culture, what it's like to be an Asian woman within society. And now I'd love to just talk to you about the healing powers of Keaton. Mm. Mm. Really good topic. Um, yeah, looking forward to talking about it. So... What is it? What are the healing powers of Keaton? You know, I've, even as a child, like I grew up and I used to hear the sound of Keaton. What is it that's within it that makes it so therapeutic? I think, well, we, we think that it's um, a combination of things. So it's the, the words, it's the, the melody sometimes as well. Um, so certain shabbats are sung in certain or meant to be sung in certain rag but not everybody sings what is called rag then and even those that don't sing rag then as is prescribed in the Guru Granth Sahib there are 31 rags and um, you know the Guru is intended that the Shabbat be sung in these compositions these musical melodies yeah. but not everybody sings according to that prescribed um, those prescribed melodies and even those people who don't there is still some sort of connection. You still feel, mm. you know, um, this pull. You feel this emotional, spiritual connection when you hear the words, when you hear whatever that melody is. So regardless of rag or non-rag even, what is that connection that everyone has? And I think that's what it is. It's it's music, and music always has an effect on people. When you're sad, you put on a sad song, and that will, you know, enhance your feeling, you know, when you're happy. When you're feeling in a good mood, you consciously choose to listen to music that's going to elevate you. Right? So mm-hmm. I think it, it, the music play, plays a very big factor in that connection, in that healing. Um, and a lot of the world, major world religions have music. They have instruments or something. And even if you go to like spas, why do you feel relaxed there? Because you've got spa, healing spa music. I think that's what I think is one of the main reasons. That's interesting. So can you tell us what Keaton kind of means to you both individually? That's a great question. Um, I mean, for us, whenever we kind of, you know, you go through phases of in your life where you feel that you, you know, um, you go through ups and downs as you do in life. And sometimes we'll turn to Keaton, mm. not fully always understanding um, a lot of, of what we're listening to 
even though we come from a Gitan background, there's still a lot of the Guru Granth Sahib in terms of um, the translation and things like that we're still um, learning. But there's something in it that makes us feel connected to something bigger than us. Mm. Um, this kind of vibrational musical call that envelops us, if that makes sense. And it makes us just feel like for that moment, whilst we listen to Gitan, that everything else, all the problems that we have, all the stresses of life, they kind of are on pause. They don't necessarily disappear. They're on pause for that moment. And for to me personally, Ethan is is that kind of my go-to place when I just need to get away from, uh, I guess, the distraction and the noise in my mind, if that makes sense. Sometimes I listen to other forms of music that's not necessarily Ethan. So as Henry mentioned earlier, you know, when you're going out with your friends, I listen to a different type of music because it helps me. Um, elevate my mood if I listen to upbeat music to keep it in the same way um, I listen to a particular rag to kind of complement my mood um, yeah so that that's what it means to me it's it's my connection my path to the primordial energy the universal primordial energy hmm. um, for me I would say pretty much what Sukhman said but to add to that um, the Guru Granth Sahib itself, whether it's read or whether it's sung through shepherds, for me, they're anecdotes. And when, I, when I'm feeling, I, I suppose, why, I mean, this is my sort of personal understanding, why it's created, why we have the Guru Granth Sahib, it's, it's a guide. When we're feeling, um, you know, distracted or off that path that makes us, that we're supposed to be on, it kind of brings me back home personally. When I listen to something, I'm reminded of my purpose here. Um, mm. Certain shabbats make me feel a certain way. Um, they give me the answer to certain things. If I'm feeling lost or confused, I'll read or listen to a shabbat and it will make me reevaluate that thing that I'm thinking about. So, um, so for yeah, it's a guide for me. That's what it is. So I guess it's almost in, like, oh, sorry, gone. <laughs> right. In some ways, you know, music is your guru. I mean, yeah. it depends on your relationship that you have with music. For us, it's our guru. We are constantly learning through music because music in itself is a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want to add here, it's, yeah. it's not an instruction. It's a, it, um, that's the reason why I use the word guide mm-hmm. and anecdote. It's not saying do this, do that. I, I, I feel like, you know, when you sometimes... When you're feeling a bit lost or you need help with something, the answer to a question, you go to a friend and you say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. It's like a sound. You, you speak to that friend or family member as a soundboard. That is what Keith is for me. I already know what I'm feeling. I may already know what the answer is. But then if I go back to that, the eternal truth, which is what the words are, mm-hmm. it just reminds me, OK, you know what? This is the, this is the actual path I need to be going on. This is the answer to that question or the way that I'm feeling. That's how I would summarize um, what its purpose is for me hmm. interesting yeah kind of the way you guys are saying it's almost like it's a vibrational energy to uplift mm. any kind of, yeah. sort of pain yeah. or doubt or I guess being more in the present moment it's reminding you to be present and trust in who you are and what gifts mm. you were given by the higher power yeah. It's similar to when we meditate right anybody that meditates some like to meditate with music with keeping others they like to meditate in silence, whatever works for you. For some people, 
um, I don't know if you remember when you were at school, there were some students who could only revise with music on. And I would often think, how can you do that? It's quite distracting, but it works for some people, right? Yeah. Everyone has their own way of tapping in mm. and focusing in. It helps you tune in. Yeah. Right? You know, literally helps using, you tune in. Using your <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Keaton is, is that. It, I mean, we don't want to word anybody's um, mouths or anything like that or say it, what we are. Our point of view are you know black and white. Explore the grey area. That's for us. That's what we like to try to um, kind of, uh, do in our own lives as well. Um, but you know, growing up, we learned Gibson from a very young age. We were about eight or nine years old when our mum took us to learn Gibson from Ganyji. Mm-hmm. Just going to give a shout out, Ganyji. There from And we were eight or nine years old. We had no clue what we were singing. We were just told mm-hmm. this is a melody. Sing it on stage every Sunday yeah. um, between the hours of 10 and 11. Yeah. And even at the age of eight or nine, when we had no idea what on earth we were singing, we just knew it was a shepherd, it was religious based. There was something in the melody that made us feel connected. So that mm. says a lot um, that we had no clue what we were saying, yet we understood the kind of. Um, the, the spirituality behind the Kirtan, we understood its its magnitude because of the melody. It made us, here's the keyword, feel a certain way. And I think music in any form, what's its purpose is, is attention is there to make you feel something sad, happy, um, you know, excited, melancholic, all sorts of things. That is essentially what Kirtan is. Um, and especially Raghirtan, Raghirtan in itself is going to tap into certain moods that the human being goes through. You will find certain rags which are really dark and heavy, and they're supposed to be sung at certain times of the day, in the early hours. Others which are really light and um, playful, playful during the kind of morning hours, it's there to reflect the time, it's there to reflect your mood. Okay. Um, so I don't understand how any other way, it could be any other way that you can't connect to um, spirituality through you can can't be healing as well when it's tapping into your feelings and your emotions absolutely I relate with you guys because growing up when I was about eight and nine I I learned how to do keithan as well and like yourself I didn't know what I was singing (laughs) nobody explains it it's just like here's a like you said here's a shout but to sing it on stage and be in the moment and you're like okay and it's and like even as a child like I remember going to the gurdwara all the time but not understanding what the what um the Gyanis or um would be singing um and it was only when I went away for a few years and then came back and reflected and went back to the Gurdwara I felt that stronger bond with Kirtan and even though like when I was a kid it still did I felt healed like when I'd go and I'd sit there for 10 minutes or 10-15 minutes and listen to Kirtan I I would feel calm and then my whole day would feel like relaxed um I think yeah, I didn't even know the difference. Actually, there's two different Keithans. Can you just explain it a bit more? So, Rag Keithan, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Rag Keithan is um, so, like I mentioned, Guru Granth Sahib is made up. Is basically, it's um, it's written in in Rag, right? Yeah, it's written in Rag, and there's 31 of them. These are okay. these are melodies. So these are, if you want to call them, certain tunes. Some are really heavy. And sad, some are really light and joyful. So there's 31 of those which all evoke a certain feeling and a certain mood. Um, so that's what Rag Kirtan is. When people, um, so you, you might often see actually 
in a Gurdwara or Naga setting, musical setting, traditional instruments, which are stringed instruments. More, most likely those people who are playing those instruments are will be playing what is called rag kirtan. That is the way that the gurus intended that shabad to be heard in that particular tune or that particular mm. melody. Um, and those people that don't, we don't knock those either because we started off actually not learning rag kirtan and we still had a connection. So you might have heard, for example, um, there's this famous husband and wife duo called Kiratan. She plays the guitar and her husband plays the tabla. Okay. She She's not singing in rag, but every time I listen to her, we've learned now in the last sort of eight, nine years, we've learned what is called Gurmat Sangeet, where okay. you learn those rags. And we still appreciate sometimes people who don't play rag music because music is music and it mm. it's, it's designed to make you react in a certain way. You know, we almost had like a reality check. Well, when we were growing up, um, you know, we didn't know anything about rag music. So we were just happy to be singing um, mm-hmm. in whatever format it was given to us. In our early 20s, we were introduced to Gurmat Singhid, which is um, the, uh, so it's rag-based Gurmat, right? Okay. And then once we were in that environment, we kind of shut ourselves off from anything that was non-rag-based, um, which is not healthy, um, of course. Mm-hmm. And then we got to a point where we came across, um, for example, Gita, then so Jagdeep Kaur and Amit Bhan Singh, um, husband and wife duo. And listening to them, we were like, hang on a minute. She's made her, uh, the style key that she's singing, her voice, her vocals, everything. It's made us feel a certain way. We feel connected, but she's not singing in rock. So what's going on there, right? And it made us reevaluate. It almost was like a, um, like I said, a reality check, a wake-up call. That Just to pose the question out of it, is it entirely necessary to, uh, necessary to listen to um, rock even to feel the healing powers of people, hmm. right? Which is quite interesting, so yeah, I guess what they did is they helped you to create that balance that you guys needed about keeping. Yeah, I think also the other thing is um, there's a lot of people who don't understand, including us. We were like that when we were younger. They don't understand shabad. When you go to the gurdwara, yeah. we didn't really know what the gyanis were singing. Yeah. Even when they were doing kata, we're like, yeah. we're not sure what you're really talking the about. The depth here. of the words, you have no So people like Kira, then there are other musicians as well who play on guitar, and some who don't use instruments, and they're just singing whatever. Um, however they feel that they want to um, display their affection for the creator or the universe, however they feel. And those, there are people here who listen to that and they're like, you know what, we, we understand it, it's accessible to us mm-hmm. because you're using an instrument which we're familiar with, like a guitar, rather than an um, a sort of ancient instrument. Like a dilruba or a sarangi. Um, so yes, yeah, so there's the familiarity there. It's... Rag keeping can be quite classic. It's, it's classical and it can be quite uh, difficult um, to digest on the mm. ears. Uh, even for us, when we first listened to it, we're like, "Oh, that's really intense." But when you learn it, then you understand and appreciate what's going on. For people who don't understand, we were very much like that when we were little. We thought, "Oh my God, that's just too much." <laughs> but now, since we understood it, we we get it and we we appreciate it. But some people don't understand that. So how can they feel healed and how can they connect? So you have people who don't play Rangitan and they are the ones that can tap in to people who don't understand the Shabbat necessarily mm-hmm. and can't really grasp those kind of classical um, melodies. So nobody's right and nobody's wrong. It's Everyone has their own way of making themselves feel better. Some people, when they, if you want to talk about physically when you're sick, 
some people they take paracetamol some people don't mm. um so music is you could say it's it's medicine but yeah not everybody will take the same medicine or the same kind of and dose not, yeah and not everybody reacts to the medicine the same yeah. way so mm. if you want to if you want to maybe use that as a metaphor to understand how it can heal that might sort of make more sense i think on the other hand um it's widely believed amongst the um indian classical singers especially rag Kirtanis, who sing in rag rather, um, that when it comes to rag kirtan, it was the rag that were the Guruji's composed first, and then they wrote the shabad. So they oh, created the melody first, right. and then the words shaped After. the words around the melody, rather than wrote the shabad and then decided to think of a tune to so, go. So that's outside. quite that's quite important because you think when the guru sat down before they even put pen to paper, mm. they felt something about the creator that they wanted to. present to everybody and they they presented that feeling through a melody and then once they had created the melody the structure um, the musical structure they pieced the words to that so mm. if, if with that in mind um we can understand the healing power of the and the importance of music like i said earlier that the music is meant to make you feel it's all about emotion so yeah. what our gurujis did was they created that emotional vibe by creating the melody and then accordingly um you know piece the correct words or the appropriate words that they thought um to fit that melody so there's these two schools of thoughts there um and i guess you know no not one hat does not fit all right yeah um, but as you're aware they are on both schools of thought people have uh, very strong opinions on singing in rag and others not so strong opinions on singing in rag at all but, you see yeah. the way i see it is it's kind of like medicine and natural holistic things like both mm. think they're equally right but there's never um a balance right. so it's kind yeah. of the same with music that there's the rag and the non-rag and it's that actually there needs to be a middle ground where both can be applied together and create even mm. a higher vibration yeah yeah it's how, it's whatever you find works for you yeah and i was going to say somebody that really gives me like shivers <laughs> and chills is a lady called Sanatnam Kaur and she's based out in ah, California. Yes, yes, Sanatnam Kaur. And I was actually going to mention her when yeah. I was talking about Kirtan that she, so she's not doing that rag kirtan style but right. it really does you feel this sort of divine you know some vibration like connection it, don't you? kind of um it's heavenly yeah, whatever that yeah. means you know you feel that you, you feel like on another plane don't you? <laughs> higher play when you listen to it because it's really angelic angelic because yeah. these were um so and so many people connect to snarton gore's style of music and even and you know we've seen it ourselves um mm. the way that people will listen to her kind of um, uh, cds or whatever and they really connect it their eyes are closed and they look like they're at peace you know mm. and we've seen that ourselves i'll give you a really good example about feeling <laughs> music About six years ago, we were both in Rajasthan for a folk uh, festival, yeah. cool. and one of the last perform it was so it's all music-based performances, and one of the on the last day there was a Tibetan monk, mm. a very famous lady who oh, wow. plays gong. She plays <gasps> Tibetan gong. I love the gong. And, um, oh. Yeah, yeah, I know you've got one, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I need to ask her. You got that from, but she so she was performing on the stage with the gong. and it's then you get healing gong music and everybody around us we were sitting there and everybody around us was really her name's Annie Choying Drolma I I think I'm pronouncing that wrong but Annie is A N I 
And then if you just type that in Google, it'll come up with her. But she's a Buddhist nun and does Tibetan Buddhist chant with her gong. And everyone around us was really immersed and connected, mm. except me and my sister. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow. Like, we were like, what? We, we are not, we are not getting in the zone with this at all it was completely the opposite of what everybody else was feeling and everyone around <laughs> us was really we looked around we thought these people are look like they're at peace with themselves and we were really struggling we were fidgeting and we were like when is this gonna we stop agitating it was so agitating we <laughs> just looking at our phones at the time picking someone at this and and uh, everybody she's quite famous and she's been on coke studio as well which oh, is a wow. in India. She's yeah. a really big deal. And for some reason, we just couldn't get it. And they, that, that's an example of how it works for some people, not for others. And that is blatantly healing mm. music. But it, it was not doing it anything healing with us. You know, and we, we come from a musical background, so yeah. it is quite tragic yeah, really that shocking. we weren't able to connect to that. Um, yeah. You know, and some would argue, well, that's not real music. You know, she's playing a gong, but that's not an interesting you know people have all kinds of um skewed thoughts about such things yeah but um the point of the story is uh, that we could not connect to that and it was certainly not healing for us yeah but that doesn't mean that it's not healing full stop because there were yeah. people around us who found it incredibly um enlightening and uplifting for them yeah i, I, can, re- I can relate with you guys actually like years ago when i started doing meditation I couldn't meditate properly. Um, yeah. I used to look out and out the window, fidget and stuff. And I think it's when you you're not used to something as well, um, mm. and it's something out of your comfort zone. That's what I found. And you're right. Some healing ther- like her- like therapies don't always work, like sounds mm. and stuff. It's it's mm. what your soul resonates with. Yeah, yeah. I think certain people um, respond to different frequencies as well. Yeah. So I think that has a part to play in it and um you know like when you go to a club the dj is going to play some banging floor anthems to get everybody going and they have to be fast-paced upbeat so that everyone's in that mood if he starts playing something which is certain you know what you call it um if it's too slow paced per minute and very slow you're not going to get up and dance and so mm. they when you go to a wedding they'll play the slow music and when they want everyone to get up and dance they know exactly what to play and what's going to get people coming on the dance floor that's the power of music you know yeah just for you you know to put it into perspective um i'm not how gonna... it you feel yeah you know I'm that's gonna... why oh. ain't no party like a Punjabi party <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I'm not gonna lie. I, when it comes to like rock music and like anyone who plays that stuff, I my, my body feels so heavy. It's like my my right. my energy knows that it's not right for me, and my head right. will start like aching. Um, but yeah. yeah, when Bangra stuff or anything comes up, I'm just like yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So you're right when you're using this word energy. That's exactly what it's about. It's it's a you could say like a call and response. That's what it is yeah. in some ways. Kind of you know, music, again, coming back to, we keep coming back to this, music is, you know, it, it taps into feelings, and feelings are a form of an energy of some mm-hmm. kind, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all coming around for example, why do people feel um, healed when they listen to Gifford, or it helps them in the healing process? Yeah. Because it all comes down to energy, spiritual energy, Um yeah, I guess because it was written by because you know obviously with some music you know you can feel high or you can feel low depending on the words and the the, the, the vibration of the music. I think with mm. then because it's written from a higher vibrational being, um, from the gurus that it, it does have that calm, 
like mm. energy and I think sometimes when we kind of feel those like dark and like heavy feelings it's actually nothing to do with the kirtan itself it could be the energy of the person that's, sing- that's singing it exactly yeah. so you're right it's yeah precisely so there's probably like all kinds of um kirtanis out there who will sing one type of shepherd but they all sing in their own way yeah um in a different way and some people will then miss the meaning behind the, the actual shepherd because they're being distracted by the energy of the music that it's being composed in by that said kirtani right mm, yeah i think musician i think if you understand what you're singing you're going to connect with the audience better if you know what the words mean yeah. and i think that for us personally as people who do kirtan when we were younger and we were just singing for the sake of routine and learning mm. um, we didn't really get it um but over the years as we've taken time out to learn and understand what we're saying what we're conveying to an audience then that's when they've given us the feedback that you know we really felt that and they really felt it because oh, we really, really felt, felt it. it yeah so the person is very important as as you know again choose upon as being the instrument or the vehicle to portray that message and convey that feeling mm-hmm. and if they don't feel it they understand you're not going to feel it as an audience yeah. um, member of the audience and i think as well like the reason why you, you guys where you guys you know sing kirtan as well and the way like sanatnam core sings as well it's because you guys have done a lot of inner healing so it becomes light and angelic and yeah. if the healing hasn't been done on that person who's singing the shabad then it, it, you feel those do you know what mm-hmm. i mean the vibration of yeah. it that's, that's what i it found it comes down to the energy again right yeah because you've worked on yourself and there are some people who will sing and they're really not putting their heart and soul into it and that's they back to what you're saying about the person who's actually um instrumental <laughs> yeah <laughs> the person who's singing may not have the right energy and you have to be in the right frame of mind you know sometimes people say to us oh can you sing something we're like no we're not really there in our own mind right now so you know they put us on the spot and say you know sing sing that song we're like well our energy at the moment isn't quite up with singing that particular melody right yeah mm-hmm. so we won't and so the, that person is, is very important in relaying that feeling and that's why when you're learning any form of music um not just ethan it takes years and years of kind of crafting yeah. the, the art and um, not necessarily to get to a point of perfection because we don't believe perfectionism exists there's mm. always room for improvement mm. in anything in life but that's what that's what we mean when at the start of the um podcast we said you know music in itself is a journey because you through this process of learning about the components of the notes and the, and you know the meaning of the melodies and things like that you're learning about yourself yeah. musical music is a journey to yourself as well mm. um it's not just for other people because it sounds good on their ears it resonates in every fiber of your being when you listen to music mm. it brings your cells alive it is yeah. that deep um it is not just something a surface level thing um which is why even if you look back in in history and in fact nowadays even let you know just just to take your mind to for example a tribal kind of environment somewhere remote where they have no access to modern day um kind of technology or things like that they in these tribes their form of music was was playing a drum of some kind and chanting and, yeah. and whistling and things like that. you can still hear that in some places of the world in in, in rainforest world where they they're not um they've not been exposed to to um like i said modern day technology or not 
and it was a way for them to connect to to some kind of energy, if you want to call it God or whatever. Nature. Nature, yeah. It was yeah. some kind of call and response to a higher frequency. There's something in that for sure, yeah. Yeah. That, that's really interesting and I was going to ask like you know you guys explain where it kind of like part of where Gitan was started but do we know where it initially came from? <laughs> now you're asking um initially started I knew we should pay attention like you think us I know I think I don't I can't I don't think you can pinpoint exactly because um Music is central to every civilization and it has always been. When, if you take it out of a religious context, culturally, mm. at, at births, weddings, funerals, mm. music is always there. So I don't think you can actually say Gisden or music, whatever, is started from here. Yeah. But we know that the Guru Granth Sahib, 100% fact, is written in uh, with musical instructions, if you like. So yeah. they must have started from around there or maybe people were singing before the Guru Granth Sahib I'm sure they were singing mm. praises of the creator and the universe before the Guru Granth Sahib was around 100% they were doing that yeah, just to clarify as well sorry to interject that the Gitan is not a Sikhi term if that makes sense it's it's a Sanskrit term and right, in yeah. we know in the Hindu faith as well that they sing Gitan too they call it Gitan mm. and they sing bhajans right yeah, yeah. um yes. So that's their it's way been of bringing the words of the Gita to life through music. Yeah. Um, so the Guru Granth Sahib is, is written in in uh, in, in rag for that for that very reason to bring those words to life. Otherwise, you're reading it and it doesn't have quite the same effect. Put music to it and you're suddenly feeling something different. Mm. Yeah, that is so true. So I've just I've just putting it out there. So then, any of the listeners who's who've never heard of Kirtan before, so. Kirtan has always been around. However, it was when the gurus came in Sikhism that they created a different style of Kirtan. Mm. Yeah, and also, um, I just want to you know, make an additional comment that Guru Gobind Singh Ji created a stringed instrument called Taus, oh. and that is a Persian word for uh, peacock. Um, oh. Actually, it was Guru Gobind Singh Ji. Okay. And so it's a Persian word for peacock. And if you Google Taos, which is T-A-U-S, you will see that it's um, shaped like a peacock. And at the top of the instrument, some people have peacock feathers as well. So, um, sorry, Guru Har Gobindji, I meant to say, not Guru Gobindji. Sixth Guru, Guru Har Gobindji, created this instrument. And Guru Arjun Devji, the fifth Guru, played something called Saranda, S-A-R-A-N-D-A. As we know, Guru Nanak Devji's companion right-hand man, uh, Mardana, played what is known as Rabal. So mm. it's always been there. Um, they, you know, it's been really pivotal in conveying the message of that true energy, divinity, uh, whatever you want to call it, I guess. So the gurus created these instruments themselves. Therefore, it must be, music must be important. Mm. That's interesting, yeah. Um, we are coming towards the end of the show. It's gone really quick. <laughs> really fast, yeah. yeah. And I wanted, to, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to um, ask you um, two last questions. And the first one is, what are your five top tips for someone who's lacking peace of mind at the moment? Wow. wow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, five top tips lacking peace of mind. You see, we are still on that journey. So I don't know if we can give someone else top tips because... 
we, we, we're trying to give ourselves top tips. I make a point about something. So my name, Sukhman, actually means peace of mind. Oh, really? And oh, I'm, no way. <laughs> yeah. So my actual full name is Sukhman Jeet, and Hanu's full name is Hanu Jeet. Oh, so wow. the Jeet means victory, right? Yeah. So my actual name means victory of a peace of mind. And I'm still trying to figure out how to be victorious over the piece of my mind. And how to be true right? to my name. How to be essentially true to my name. Um, but yeah, going back to what Hanu said, we are still learning ourselves how yeah. to yeah. manage that. From, from the journey thus far, yes. if we could say to somebody, if we really had to help someone, I don't know about five top tips, but definitely I think the most important thing in order for you to have that sort of um, peace of mind or sanity is first and foremost um, the people that you surround yourself mm. with. And, and the Guru Ranthar talks about this word Sangat, which means your mm. community. If you've got all the right people around you who are going to elevate your energy and your aura, then you're like halfway there. They are going to help you and you're also in turn going to help them. But if you've got people who are not really nourishing your soul, then those people you could almost say are like poison to you, to your soul. And then you have to flush them out and have a good detox and think, is this person enhancing me? So the community is really important for peace of mind. Yeah. Um, it, you know, obviously, it's self-explanatory. Sort of, uh, if you've got a negative person that you're with all the time, you're always moaning, that's going to bring your energy mm. down. So yeah. I think that's, I wouldn't say that's the, uh, the, the thing to strive for, but it is one of the most essential components in attaining that peace of mind. Um, and then the other one I would say is to work on yourself. Mm. Um, you know, these five vices that we talk about, greed, lust, ego, whatever, these are the things which are in all human beings that I think it's not about necessarily necessarily removing them because you need ego, but you need it in small doses because without ego, you can't be confident in yourself and in your ability. So there you need it. You need lust, you need greed, you need to eat food, whatever. So these things, if we learn to not let them conquer us, but we manage those, again, I think that is a way of giving us peace of mind. Just to go back to the theme of Gifen, so in Japji side, the Guru Nanak Dev Ji's Bani, so the first Guru of the sixth day, in Japji side, there's a line which says, Man ji te, ji. And what that translates to is, when you can conquer your mind, mm. you conquer the world. And it doesn't mean world domination. What it means is your world around you, whatever that may be, your relationships, um, intimate and non-intimate relationships with people around you, um, interactions with those around you and yourself. When you can conquer that noise and distraction in your mind, you'll be at peace with yourself and those around you. It will emanate to those around you as well. And if you've read books like The Secret or The Power of Now, they are saying the same thing, Manji De Jagji, right? You know, what's the first way of controlling yourself and your environment is by controlling your thoughts. That's how we can start to attain peace of mind mm. and to understand that we can't control certain situations in our life. A lot of things that people get pent up about is the fact that they can't control certain situations. But if we can accept, okay, this is beyond our control, but what we can control, there is something in our power, that is our ability to, to how we, we act to that situation. Then mm. you will feel a lot more at peace. And, you know, I urge people to try this because... In our own um, journey of healing, we, we have tried this method. And, you know, a lot of the time, we, we're actually quite control freaks, to be honest, just to put that out there. And we, yeah, I mean, it's, it's true, right? So when we try to, we've taken a step back and said, all right, 
we can't control a certain situation, what can we do? Right, we can control the way our thoughts process or how we think about it. Mm. And that makes us feel a lot lighter. Mm. Honestly, girls, like it really makes us feel, well, we've regained some kind of control. Mm. And then, you know, you're able to view the world in a much different um, much different way. Your outlook is different because what's happening on the inside controls what's happening on the outside. So five tips, I don't know, like we've covered even three so far. But um, yeah, definitely surround yourself with people who are um, vibrating on a similar energy to you. Mm-hmm. So you know, surround yourself with like-minded people, I guess. Um, you know, meditate so you can control your thoughts and quiet the noise at, you know, at whatever level that you can. And constantly be on on, yeah. on a journey of understanding yourself. Like, we are always changing. I'm not the person I was a month ago. My, my own personal one that I do is in sort of my busy day that I have, I like to take at least, before I leave the house, I like to take at least two to three minutes just to sit quietly and do nothing. Mm. So I'll be ready, my bag's ready, my lunch is ready for the working day. And before I leave, if you're getting ready in a rush, working against the clock, I'm, I'll just stop. And I think that's, being able to stop is another way of attaining that peace in yourself. If I come home, um, you know, I'll put my bag down and then again, I'll stop. I'll just deep breathing. And I, I like to implement that in my day at least once if I can do that. That's something that's worked for me. So I think that's another way because it just helps you just to put a, put a pin in mm. everything that's happened. So I've just thought of two more things, which, um, <laughs> you know, we both tried to practice. Yeah, it's coming, all coming back to me now. Um, so in no particular order, having an attitude of gratitude, as cliche as that sounds. Yes. Being thankful for anything that's happened in your life. You know, some people focus on, material things I'm happy for the look of my head and the money in my account that's great even small things like um thank you for you know the fact that I've got working limbs or whatever or I've got a family even if it's dysfunctional you know the other day I I expressed my gratitude for the chemist and stocking my favorite lavender soap because they were out of stock for ages and then when they finally had it I was like thank you because this is my favorite bar of soap and it just it made me feel a lot better mm. um so yeah, an attitude of gratitude, if you can cultivate that, the start of your day, the end of your day, whenever, you, you know, you will feel wealthier in your mind about yourself and, and it doesn't give you room to complain. And the last thing I'll mention, I like to mention, um, so it's like an attitude of gratitude, is um, be open to learning from people around you. you know, everything around you is your guru. Mm. If you realise that there is a lesson to be learned in every situation, you can say, okay, you know, how can I better myself because of that situation that's happened to me? There's so many other things. I mean, we might get up to six or seven points now, to be honest. <laughs> things like, um, you know, there's this film that I watched recently called Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, I love that film. There's this healer in there called Ketut um, Lier. And he says to Liz, who's the protagonist, you know, smile, even in your liver. I thought well, that was quite powerful. Just, just try and smile because you have the capacity to do so. And physical exercise is an important one as well. Get out there, get some fresh air, get some movement in your limbs, you know. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's more, but there you go. <laughs> I love those. And my di- like both of you, what are you most both grateful for at this moment? Wow. Oh my God. I think you asked us that last time as well. <laughs> yeah. Because <sighs> we're, always, we're always changing. Like you, like you said, we're, every day we're changing. So. Well, aside from the bar of soap, <laughs> just another chance to live my life you 
know, another chance at another day. Mm. I've got to wake up this morning. You know, we take it for granted. Like only last week, our grandmother passed away. Another big deal. So where someone else is struggling for the last breath, we had an opportunity to use our time to do something that we love, to be around the people that we love. I think, well, personally for me, I'm I'm grateful for that. Mm. And and being around people who constantly push me and challenge me um, and show me my demons, you know. Mm. You know? I'm saying, I'd say, um, a, a lot more recently, I'm very appreciative of my health. And I feel mm. like even more so, I feel that gratitude when I'm sick. When I'm sick, I'm like, oh my God, why did I not love myself when I was well? Why? You know, I, appreciate the, your body. I appreciate my body even more mm. when I'm unwell. And your nose is blocked. And like, I just wish these nostrils <laughs> could breathe now. You know, mm-hmm. and that's when I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to really love you when I get my breathing back. And that, that for me, I would say recently, my husband's cousin is in a wheelchair with muscular mm. dystrophy. And every time I see him, he can't even move his hand. I'm like, I'm so lucky that I can mm. go to sleep and in my bed I can move around. And when he wants to turn in his bed, mm. his muscles won't allow him. His mom has to move him. And mm. that just breaks my heart. And like, we don't realize the potential we have because we're able bodied. Yeah. So my health is what I'm most grateful for. Oh, I love those. Thank you guys for being on the show again. And thank you for sharing. Oh, it, was, it was interesting talking about Keith Thurn and how it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Because there's certain things through talking that we we, we don't realise ourselves, and through these sort of dialogues, yeah, it, it enables us to reflect. So thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, it's like another chance for us to be exposed to um, conversations which have substance and and that will you know educate us and better us. Yeah, thank you very much for having us back. We really enjoyed it. Oh bless you. Thank you guys for joining me. I will see you soon. See you on the other side. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> What a great interview with Sukman and Hanoon. Guys, it, I think it's just so important to be able to connect with things like Keithan or healing kind of modalities to allow you to kind of just be in the openness and just be yourself. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Don't forget that you can find me on Twitter at IamGurds. That's I-A-M-G-U-R-D-S. You can find me on Facebook at Get Inspired with Gerds, where I bring you lots of inspirational, motivational quotes and tips about life. And just before I head off, I want to leave you with this quote. Singing can shape and pacify emotions, like an artist sculpts and a piece of clay. That's a quote by Sylvia Necker. Take care and I'll see you next week. Bye.